Elosha. God bless all men of God who ministered before me. I taught you shout an amen. amen. Scripture says, Now Elisha was falling sick of his sickness, whereof he died. And Joash, the king of Israel, came down unto him and wept over his face and said, Oh, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. I want you to take note of this very thing. He says, And he, verse 14, please, move with me. He says, And he was falling sick of his sickness. Of his sickness. Not he was falling sick of a sickness, but he was falling sick of his sickness. Hallelujah. Making a difference. So Elisha, according to scripture, is one of the greatest and greatest prophets that God had uh, have among his prophets. When you mention all the prophets in the Bible, you can never exclude the place of Elisha in the life of the Bible. Hallelujah. But then scripture says this man of great virtue, of great power, got to a place where he had his sickness and that the sickness caused him to die. Of all the miracles he did, of all the anointing that he possessed, he was unable to heal himself, he was unable to resurrect himself, yet he died. But the scripture tells us this same man who was unable to heal himself, who was unable to resurrect himself, his dead body, not the body with life, his dead body lay beside a man who was also dead, got resurrected. The same anointing that was upon him that he couldn't resurrect himself, the same anointing that was upon him that he couldn't heal himself, he was healing others. He was resurrecting others, even in a dead state, yet he couldn't resurrect himself. What am I trying to say here? His anointing did not really benefit himself, but his anointing was benefiting others. I'm trying to tell you that God did not necessarily make us for self, but God made us for others. As you are seated there, as much as God has created you, you are not only created for yourself, but you are also created for others. You have a calling unto others. Tell somebody, I have a calling unto others. I have a calling unto others. But you see, many of us have been deceived by the enemy that we have become so selfish than to be selfless. We have become so self-centered than to focus on helping others. And so we put ourselves first than putting others also first. When there is an opportunity, Instead of us also involving others, we take it alone. And sometimes we even go to an extent of hiding that opportunity. Hallelujah. But we have been called into a ministry of helping others and not only of ourselves. Elisha got to a place where he was helping others and yet his anointing couldn't work for him. Did he not use it? What happened? Even though we are called into a ministry of helping others, it is very important as much as you are helping others, you don't become stupid. Please flow with me, making a difference. As much as we are helping others, make sure you don't become stupid in helping others. Because if you read further, according to the book of 2 Kings 13, verse 14 and 15, let's move verse 15. So scripture talks about Joash, all right? Scripture says, Then and Elisha said unto him, Take bowl and arrow, and he took up, uh, unto him bowl and arrows. Move on, please. And he said to the king of Israel, Put thy hand upon the bow. Let me just paraphrase for you. You see, Joash came to Elisha at the point where Elisha was dying. Elisha had worked many miracles. Elisha had done many things and so forth. 
And then it came to a point where Elisha was dying and he was on a sick bed and he was dying. And at the point of his death, the king Doash came to him and was pleading to him to help him. And scripture tells us Doash is not a man who serves the God of Elisha. Doash is a man who serves other gods, not our God. And yet when he was in need of something, he rushed to Elisha at the point where Elisha was on the sick bed about to die. The day Elisha was about to die, he was sick and he was about to die. Joash the king went to him for help. And being the king, he could have offered to help Elisha. He could have offered to bring up um, doctors, physicians to help Elisha. But what he did do, he let go Elisha's problem and he was only focused on his problem. And he just wanted Elisha to help him even though Elisha was dying. Why would you help Elisha? from dying, then he can help you. Why only focus on your situation first? Sometimes when we begin to help people, many people take advantage of your goodness. Maybe many people take advantage of your goodness and they act as though you are foolish, yet you know what you are doing. Many of us have helped people that we come to a place where we say we will not help them anymore. Why? Because they took advantage of us. You are here today here. Many people have done so many things to you that you feel like you do not want to do things for men anymore. And even when you have something you need to help someone who's even dying, you still don't want to help because of some experiences you've had. Yet scripture says even on that time when Elisha was dying, he still helped Josh. He still helped Josh on the sickbed. In your most vulnerable state, will you still help people? At the point where all is going wrong for you, will you still help people? Scripture says, Elisha, even in the dead state, when he was placed in the tomb, his dead body resurrected someone. When he was living, he was making a difference. When he even died, he still made a difference. I want to ask you, what difference have you really made? In your family, apart from emptying your father's bank account, what have you really done? Apart from spending your boyfriend's money, your girlfriend's money, what have you really done? Apart from cooking for your husband, what have you really done? What difference have you made in that marriage? What difference have you made academically? What difference have you made in the ministry you are in? What difference have you made with the calling God has given unto you? What difference have you made with the business God has entrusted in your care? What difference have you made with the friends God has given you? What difference have you made in their lives? And yet we hear Elisha that even when he was dead, he was still making a difference. And you and I are still alive and we are making no difference. We are making no difference even whilst we are still alive. And every day, it knocks me 5 a.m. you wake up to go to work. Five, for 4 a.m. you wake up to go to work. 5 p.m. you close, you come back home. If it's your own job or whatever you are doing, you stay home, you watch TV, you type, whatever it is. And then the day ends. And we are almost clocking 365 days. What have you done with that year? And yet on 31st night, we will still see you in your white clothing with your handkerchief and you are saying, hey, hey, hey. What have you done within that year? What difference have you made in your life as a youth? Because our parents equally did these things. They were playing football. They were playing around. Most of our parents had dreams of playing football, but they never became professional footballers. Some had dreams of becoming musicians. Some had dreams of becoming accountants. Just like you all have dreams right now. But how many of us will be able to realize these dreams five years to come?
years to come, how many of us will be able to make a difference that our parents did? How many of us? If we can sit down with our parents and ask them what are their regrets, we will learn with their lives. We only go to our parents for them to cook for us to eat. When we are even chatting with them, it's about lousy stuffs. As we go home this week, have a sit down talk with your parents. Ask them, as old as you are right now, what are your regrets in life? It will help you to be able to align yourself and know the time you are wasting. And begin to align yourself to make a difference in this dispensation. Because our parents have silent regrets that they may never share with us because we've never asked. And they never think they can even have that discussions with us. Yet they have many regrets. And if you ask them about their life story, you will realize that you are equally treading that same path. And you are equally making that same mistakes they made. And you will equally find yourself in the place they are currently. Yet you say you want to do more. What have you done this year? It's already October. November is coming. December is coming. What have you done this year? What have you achieved this year? What have you really done? You celebrated your birthday, but what have you done? You only went for photo shoot. That was your achievement. You, you see new clothing. That was your achievement. You never made any difference in anybody's life. You had many programs. That was your achievement with no impact. What difference are you making? What difference are you making? Even when Elisha was dead, he was still making a difference. He didn't care about resurrecting himself, but he cared about resurrecting people who are with him. And to a point where his family were mourning him, his family were in pain because of his death, and yet his death was benefiting others. You, the only thing that will benefit people when you die is that you love at the funeral. What more? Will beneficial to the people when you are gone. What are people benefiting from you even when you are alive? Ask yourself these questions. I want you to re-tune your mind because even as much as it is Pentecost and we are expecting the fire of God, if the fire of God comes and our minds are not well aligned, we will miss it. We will have the fire today. One week the fire is gone because we will not be able to put it to use because our mindset is different. But when the fire of God falls and our minds are aligned to the call of God, we'll begin to see things happen in our life swiftly and easier. I thought you shout an amen. amen. Even in his death state, he was making a difference. As a drummer, as a keyboardist, saxophonist, what difference are we making with this? Saul was making a difference with all these things. What difference are you making with your life? It's a wake-up call for all of us. I want you to think. Most of the time they tell us, what will people say about you when you die? I don't want what they will say about me. What, 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 what impact will my death have over them? Not about what they say. Because they will come and read obituary. Oh, Bishop was a good man. Bishop was nice. Bishop was loving. Bishop was there for us. What impact does that make? Because I was there for them, now I am God. They will go and find someone who will be there for them too. So what really is that impact? The death of Elisha, even though his family was mourning, 
the man that was slain by him who resurrected, the family was were jubilating. They were excited at the resurrection of their son. Even though the one who resurrected him is dead. I'm trying to say sometimes your problem could be a blessing to others. Sometimes what we call a talent or a problem is a miracle to somebody else. Because even in that state, that dead state where Elisha was, that was a problem and a state of agony. That state was still helping other family members. They said unto Jesus, he said he's the savior. He healed many people. He saved many people. But he cannot save himself on the cross. But he did not realize that the death of Jesus on that cross was for their benefit. So the problem and the challenge of Jesus Christ on the cross at that time was for their benefit. It was their miracle. But they knew it not. If we can also come to a place of gratitude. Knowing very well that the challenges we are going through the problems we are going through, regardless of the background we are coming from, regardless of the ministry we belong to, it is for a purpose. It's not for only ourselves, but to help other destinies. When Moses was going through challenges, the bad history of Moses, all the things Moses went through to even enter into the palace, was not really for Moses. It was for the Israelites in slavery in Egypt. So all the challenges that Moses was going through was not even about Moses. It was about the Israelites. All the things you are going through right now, all the broken hearts you've had, all the challenges you've had, all the disappointments you've had, it's not really about you. It is actually preparing you for another person because that problem you are saying is a miracle to somebody else. So somebody may be there, an organizer may be there, and he says, Father, grant me this day my daily bread. And he's there asking God for daily bread. The whole day he has no work. And then suddenly someone has a pointer. Suddenly someone's tight best and the person is having a bad day. The person's day is, is very bad because the person wants to go to work, the person wants to go somewhere and the tie is short. And the person moves slowly, slowly to that organizer who said the prayer. And by the repair of that tie, that 20 seed that you paid for that tie is actually the daily bread of that organizer who prayed the Father, granting me daily bread. But you, that was a problem to you. That tie was a problem. But that one in 20 cities was a miracle to the organizer. Sometimes God uses our problems to bless others. God will not only use your testimony to bless others. Sometimes he will use your problem to bless others. So when we are going through something, we go through a challenge. Scripture says we should count it all joy when we go through diverse afflictions. Because it is going to be working for our good. He says again that affliction will not appear the second time. Uh, I may be going through a problem, but I know, Father, this one is because someone must be blessed. I'm going through something right now, Father. I cannot think about what is going on in my life. You want to end it all. But it's not really about you. It's, it's about a friend by you. When my peer received the testimony that she has passed, um, the, the, the exams for the, um, to be called as a lawyer and all that, she says, Bishop, right now I feel like I can be a motivational speaker because she sent me an audio and she, she began to preach. She began to preach. But this was someone who was crying even when you are talking to him. Now that same problem has become a solution and then she can be able to encourage some of her friends who may be going through that same season. Instead of us wallowing in pain and crying and be teary, we should give God praise for what we are going through. Give God praise for your challenges. Ah, yeah. 
Many of us only know how to give testimonies when it is done. Many of us know how to praise God when we have something to stand upon and say, Father, I praise you. But how many of you have praised God before because of your problem? How many of us have praised God because we have a talent? Yet scripture says, even when we are going through affliction, it isn't when you have a testimony, it is when you are going through affliction, count it all joy. Count it all pain. Count it all sorrow. No. Count it all what? Joy. So the talent you are going through, that maybe you are wishing I will pray today, you will kneel down and cry to God. God is saying, can you praise me? Can you count it all joy for the afflictions you are going through? For the difficulties you are going through? Can you count it all joy? Can you require and interpret the challenges we are going through? The problem we are going through? That problem you have right now, interpret it as a solution. That challenge you are having right now, that need you have right now, interpret it as a solution. And say, Father, I praise you. Oh, I say, say, Father, I praise you. Father, I praise you for that challenge, for that difficulty. I praise you, Lord. For I know, even though it is a mountain now, it will become a plain. I praise you, Lord. For your word says, I should rejoice. Always. Not sometimes. Always. I rejoice. And we shall glory. I know sometimes it is difficult when you are going through the pain and you are tearing and you are still supposed to praise or you are expected to praise because the Bible says so. But if you can practice these things, you will receive results. I always say, I don't teach what I have not practiced, what I have not experienced. Because what I have experienced is working through the scriptures. And then we are able to teach you for you to be able to walk in that same greatness, that same encounter, that same power. It may be a problem. But whilst the enemy is expecting you to focus on the problem, you are actually thanking God. You are actually thanking God. We are actually thanking God. The death of Ruth's husband was a blessing to Boaz. If Ruth's husband did not die, Boaz wouldn't have had Ruth. So then, we may have interpreted the death of Ruth's husband, Naomi's son, as a problem, as a tragedy. And yet, Boaz is in his corner, praising God for Ruth. But if Ruth's husband wasn't cleared of the way, how will Boaz have a root? Sometimes, God will clear certain people out of the way. So you can have your Boaz. So you can have your root. Oh my goodness. So it may be death. It may be a painful thing. It may be a, a, a thing of agony. Something you must cry. And yet God is saying, it is time for Boaz to have a root. I hear God tell me right now, it is time for you to have a root. Yeah. Uh, is it your time yet? Is it your time yet? Your own may not be a husband, it may not be a wife. But it may be something else. That thing will die. So you can have your root. Uh, I have seen God suck people from positions and put I am I stay. Before Minister Emma had a job, the person who had the job said some things about her. And we said, let's pray. So they took her off the job and they placed the person
Lord as a protocol member. Let's do this. She said, We need it. Aya. Then the company, she knew where I'm from. The company called her. And they said, We have taken her off. They come and take the position. And then they increase their pay. So when I'm saying, God will bring you your root, I know what I'm talking about. Yours may be in a different way. So it may be a problem that a person has lost their job. It may be a problem, but then that problem is your miracle. Uh, can we begin to see things differently? I got hurt on my leg, but I know it's not about the head. It's about a testimony that is coming. Uh, my phone screen cut. It, it cracked. Maybe it's a problem. Maybe I, I what would I get a new phone? What would I? No. But then you realize a different phone comes. Oh my goodness. My goodness.
He's also a prophet. He's also a man of God. And then another man of God. He was a prophet with oil. He was a man of God under a powerful man of God. Yet he died poor. The fact that you have anointing over your life, the fact that you are anointed doesn't mean you can still be successful automatically. You must do something. Tell somebody, do something. Do something. He was anointed. He was a prophet. Under a powerful prophet. Yet he died poor. Yet he died in poverty. And it was ascribed to him that he is a man who fled the Lord. But there's a problem there. He knows that he feared the prophet. He only feared the Lord. But scripture says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It says that when you believe in the Lord, you shall be established. Then again, he says, believe in your prophets and you shall prosper. So he feared the Lord, but there was a problem. He honored the, the, the Lord, but he did not honor his prophet. How do we know this? Scripture says, it was the woman who brought to the knowledge of the spiritual father of the man that the, the son was owing. The son did not go to the spiritual father that he was owing. He was going to God pray. So the wife said that he was God fearing. Oh, wait, 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 wait. And his wife saw that the man was God fearing because the man was always praying. But we don't see in the account of the scripture that this same man feared his man of God. That this same man honored his man of God enough to be able to share secret with this man of God. When you hear the people talk, they will tell you I'm free. Then Mr. Raymond said, we talk about everything. He stressed upon it, everything. We just, we talk. I talk to my sons and daughters about everything. Unless you want to hide it. But we talk. Tell somebody, we talk. Or not we talk? We talk. We talk. Hallelujah. Tell somebody, we talk. But this prophet, under Elisha, who is powerful, did not talk to his man of God. But he was talking to God. And yet, the same that God sent to him was his spiritual father. You don't talk to your husband, but the person God has sent you to deliver you is your husband. Yet, you are talking to God. And God says the husband is the head of the house. You don't talk to your biological parents when you are going through things. And yet, God says he has sent them as a covering over you. And pray. When you see, when you are going through some challenges, just go to your mother, go to your father. Let them lay hands upon you. Biological, not even spiritual parents. Biological. Tell them this is what I'm going to. Let them lay hands upon you. It will go like this. But we don't go and discuss with them. We, we don't know those things. And yet God says they are our covering. Again, our spiritual parents are the watchers over our soul. God has made them so upon this earth for us. Yet we don't take advantage. And yet the problem we are praying to God for, the solution is in the hands of our biological parents and our spiritual parents. And they are partner me the floodgate of heaven enter into the gate with thanksgiving into the court with praise and when you go to God after God tells you go to your man of God there are some things you will pray to God for and you will never receive an answer because the answer has already been given to you as a man as a woman and it's your duty to be able to know that this is my solution this is my blessing this is my miracle God gives you a girlfriend a boyfriend as a miracle to you and you treat them anyhow and that person was supposed to have been a blessing to you you are doing to you are doing to you think you are top of the game you are messing up your miracle and when God begins to see that you are not unable to sustain that destiny that miracle he's unable to entrust you with more 
Because it is when God sees us to be faithful that he entrusts more into our hands. And you are unfaithful with that person you are with. And you expect God to give you a good woman. You are praying to God for a God-fearing woman. Yet your, your girlfriend is by him. Uh -uh. Are you okay? Your boyfriend is between you. are praying to God for a God-fearing husband. Who is by you? Ask them who is by you. <laughs> yeah, the, the solution is by you. The solution is with you. But who is that solution? What are you seeing? Uh, ask them who is by you. So I'm asking for God, give me a husband. God, give me a No! God, I know this one you're giving me. It's for this appointed time. Now, this and this and this is not good in this person. Change it. I do. This and this and this is not good in me. Father, change it. That we may be compatible and go further. Amen. You are there. You have the person by you. You are not asking for options. Are you okay? Yeah. Yeah. Options, 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 options. Now, go ahead. The app, wait. Mula, mula, mula. Stand well, stand well. Tell them stand well. Yeah. Hallelujah. But what difference are we making in our prayer life? Because many of us are on midnight right. Many of us are on alpha hour. Many of us are somewhere and we are praying. Jericho hour, here and there, we are praying. But are we praying the right prayers? We are asking God for a husband. Are you? The person is by you. We are asking God for a wife. The person is by you. We are asking God for a testimony. The testimony is by you. But you are unable to see it. Scripture says this man had his solution by him. He was anointed, yet he missed it and still died poor. You can be a Christian and you still die poor. Poverty doesn't mean you are a Christian. When you are poor, it doesn't mean you are a Christian. When you are poor, it actually means you are not a Christian. Because the Lord tells us that silver and gold are his. The cattle on the thousand hills are his. Who the only she? Who are going around you? Who around you? You say you are a Christian. Who is your father? Ask them who is your father. Who is your father? Who is your daddy? Who is your Enter into that poetry business. It will not fail. Open that shop. It will not fail. Enter into that marriage. Do not fear. Do not fear. Do not fear. It is his. It is God's. And if it is God's, I am his child. I'm his inheritor. All things that belong to him belongs to me as well. And I'm able to make difference with it. He tells me that he has made great works. But he says, my son, when you come, do greater works. Show them. Set the thing and show them something. I have done it. But you, you will do greater works. Even God is expected to make a difference. And we are there making no difference. The only achievement you've done, you've had 20 boyfriends. <laughs> Make a difference. Does someone make a difference? Even though the servant did not tell his spiritual father what he was going through and he was keeping secret, that was when the enemy was able to perfect him more. The more we keep secret from our men of God and from people God has sent unto us, Scripture says, if anyone is among you who is sick, let them go to the leaders of the church, let them pray for you and lay hands upon you, and the prayer of faith will heal you. So if you don't go to the leaders without sickness and you keep it as a secret, the enemy will perfect you. Because maybe you are shy of that problem. You are shy. 
You are still of that talent. You don't talk to the man of God. And the enemy is keeping you in debt. The enemy is keeping you in challenges. The enemy is keeping you in sorrow. The enemy is keeping you in problems and you cannot find no solution to it. But if you can only speak up, if you can only speak up, then the Lord tells us here that it was the wife of the man who went to the prophet and said, your servant, your son is owing and the creditors are coming for their money. So even though the husband, the prophet, did not honor the prophet, the wife was honoring the prophet in his absence. The wife said, if my husband did this, I must make a difference. The wife went to the prophet, and the prophet said, what do you have? He says, I only have a jar of oil. If the woman did not do what she did, she would have not been able to pay the debt, and the debt will go to the sons, and the sons, if they are able to pay, when they also give birth, it will go to their sons. And then it moves on. Generation after generation, they come and inherit a debt that wasn't their fault. It was their grandfather or their father. Some of us have inherited some debts. And today we must clear it. Amen. Uh, I say we must clear it. Amen. I don't know the debt in your family, but I have a debt in my family. I want to clear it today of competitors. I want to clear it. The woman said we must clear this debt. She told the prophet, the prophet says, what do you have? A jar of oil. I'm not going to ask you for money. The woman presented the jar of oil and the man, the prophet said, go and borrow. I am in debt. You want me to go and borrow again? I am poor. People know my husband is in debt. You want me to go and borrow again? The prophet says, go. So she was saying, should I write exams? I said, write it. Should I write it? Write it. Should I go for that job interview? Go. Bishop, I've gone for three times, so they failed me. They said I'm not qualified. I've sent the application. They said they'll call me. They never called me. Still applied. Met that I said, me, how? I said, me, I'm alive. Is he called? Catch up, he said, call. 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 and borrow the vessels because the focus is not on the borrowing the focus is on who sent us to go for it are we okay uh, because not every borrowing is good who has sent you to go for that borrowing because the woman the prophet told the woman go and borrow more vessels he said go and take vessels go and borrow more vessels she brought it and the oil was multiplied and to the last um, vessel Scripture says that the oil ceased. It didn't end there. Then the, the, the prophet told the woman, go and pay the debts and use the rest to take care of yourself. That same moment, the woman entered into oil industry. The husband was in debt because he did not honor the prophet and he was honoring God. He feared the Lord. So he was fearing the Lord but not fearing his man of God. And yet the prosperity in God is not really in God, but God has given to the prophet to be given to you. And the wife saw the secret, and the wife says, let me go to the prophet and go to the prophet. And in that same instance, the same family that was in debt, they have started an oil business. Can we receive prophetic instructions tonight? Yes. Can we receive instructions tonight? Yes. To start some businesses. Yes. To, to, to start some crazy 
visions that God has implanted upon our hearts. Can we go and do some things? Can we go and make some differences? If the woman has said, Man of God, we're already in debt and we cannot go and borrow, she would have stayed poor, the sons would have stayed pure and poor, and the other generations will still be poor. Are you with me? We need to obey instructions because instructions also tells us that we love the Lord. For scripture says, if you love the Lord, then obey his commandment. So the obedience of the commandment of God is a proof of your honor to him. If you tell God you honor him, then you must obey his instructions. You must obey his commandment. Are you here with me? What instructions from the Lord have you obeyed? What instructions have you obeyed from this altar? Because we've received so many blessings, so many instructions from this altar. But many of us, after the meeting that we are energized, we go out there and we don't implement anymore. And we are still wallowing in that problem that should have been a solution to us. This woman entered the oil industry. What industry are you entering from today? What business are you entering from today? Begin to think about it. I know you went to university, but please do some business. I know you went to SS, please do some business. I know you went to JHS, please do some business. Do some business. Do something. Don't be a liability to your husband. Don't be a liability to your wife. I was telling one of my sons yesterday, and I was saying, man, it is risky for women to only depend on their husband in the house or to depend on their guys. If you're that lady, I don't want any rich wives to be like that. That's why the ladies in this ministry are called rich wives. Yeah. Can I see the rich wives in the house? Yeah. Yeah. My ladies have money more than the guys. Yeah. 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 The reason why we insisted this thing is because we want to change the mentality of ladies in this generation. Because all that ladies really know in this generation is to only receive from guys. Is to only receive from men. Is to only receive from their parents. And yet God has equally put women in a position, in a place to be a blessing to men. To be helpers or help meet. Even Jesus had Lydia. Jesus had Juan. Jesus had people, doctors who were helping the ministry. What have you done? If you have a visa, if you have no credit, if you have a data, if you craving this, what are our cravings? I was telling my son that any woman who only depends on a man for a source of livelihood is doomed. Because if the man is the only person sponsoring the house, number one, the man will not have respect him. Forget it. Even when your husband wants you to be a housewife, don't be a housewife. You can be in the house, but do business. Are you here? If you want a man to respect you, you can be in the house, but do business. If you want people to respect you, housewife is not an occupation. Housewife is not a position. If you are a housewife and you are only dependent on your husband because your husband is the one going and coming, the day your husband will fall, who has what will happen to the house? Can you can you feed the house? Can you get that for the house? Because even the money the husband gave you to put into your bank account, you bought some uh, makeup stuffs. You you bought hair, you bought phone, you bought clothing. You want them to say you're the one coming with a new bag. Their eyelashes is normal. I guess you can't believe. 
you are a helpmate. In the day of adversity, that is when your husband will see that you really love him. Because in that moment, you begin to appreciate your husband because now we have taken authority, you've taken charge of the house, and you are sponsoring the house, and you are helping the man, and you are loving the man. In the time that the things will pick up for the man again, the man will remember when you were there for him. But even in a state where you don't do anything, and then he falls, you begin to have unnecessary quarrels. You are making no difference in the marriage. You will fight every time, not because there is no love, because there is no money. Money solves a lot of problems. Can I preach it? If you want to make a difference, you need to have money. Listen, listen, listen. If you want to make a difference, you don't only need anointing, you need money. That's how you need money. You can't only make a difference with anointing. This man had anointing, he was still poor. You need money. All the things that are here, money bought them. Money rented them. Money got them here. All the things you see that is nice, money bought them. Are you with me, somebody? Some are your offerings. Some are your seeds. Some are our money. If you don't have money, how can we do it? Are we here? Money stops a lot of nonsense. And so if you are anointed, add money to it. And now I'm anointed. I can make people work. I can make this do this, this, do that. Now my back, now my shoe are tough. Now my car gets it. Who will make me cry? I'm background here. Mamu, who are So you will listen because of how the man is best. On go where Grana, Charlie, the appearance is showing something. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Now who go back there? Now who? Who who share? Who share? Who share? Who share with? After Moses, I will share. Now Moses is going by the bed. Then he now why? Moses shut up. Is he for date now? Date now? Why you some way? Ah, Moses try sir. Now I shall green top, now I shall red jeans. So as much as we are anointed, it is important that we have money. And I want to prove it to you because the time came where in the book of Luke chapter 19, verse 31, Jesus told the disciples that there were two donkeys. I'm ending with this. There were two donkeys. And he told the disciples, go and tell them in the name of Jesus, let it be untied. For Jesus is in need of these donkeys. And when they brought the two donkeys, scripture said, Jesus sat on one. But it was two donkeys that entered into Jerusalem. Now, I wanted to get this straight. Jerusalem, scripture says, it is where the seat of God is. And so, if Jesus is entering into Jerusalem where his kingdom is upon the earth, then he must go in the ground style. Because the other time Jesus went in there, Scripture says the people did not receive him. And because of their unbelief, they could not work out many miracles. So nowadays, if he's going to go again, he must go differently. He must set the thing. So that the people can believe in him, so he can work out more miracles. Because every time Jesus is going to cities here and there, he was entering on foot. Are you telling me Jesus cannot enter into Jerusalem on foot? He can enter. People are entering on foot. But Jesus all gone on. You see, 
It was supposed to have been easy for Jesus to have given one of the donkeys to the disciples to be on. But one donkey was empty, and Jesus was on one, and they entered into Jerusalem. And once they were entering Jerusalem, Jesus was, and scripture says that the disciples were all around Jesus. They were guarding him. So the disciples began to show the people of Jerusalem that this is our man of God, we must honor him. And when they saw how the disciples honored him, they also began to break palm branches, placed on the floor. They brought their clothing, placed on the floor, to honor Jesus. And that day, mighty things took place. Sometimes, eh, even when you don't have, you have to set it. The donkeys, the two donkeys wasn't for Jesus. But he did set it. Tell somebody set it. Sometimes you have to set it to make a difference. You have to set it for you to receive a miracle. It's not faking it, it is setting it. Because if the people went and they said that Jesus is in the earth and they don't give it to him, fine. But when they went, they gave it to him. He set the thing. And I did it so far. He said, Can you please come? So assuming this is a cloth and they are upon a bit like a donkey. <laughs> so they are the donkeys and perhaps permit me to be Jesus today. Ah, Jesus. Just take one and enter into Jerusalem. Jesus said no, he never will show down. <laughs> Jesus took one donkey. Jesus was upon one donkey and then oh, can I get disciples? Can you please around? Can I get some cloth at the back? Can I get some clothes? Ashes, please. Oh, surround, surround. No, you have to Surround. Bodyguard. The disciples were in bodyguards, but on that day, they turned bodyguards and they were guarding Jesus. They did not dare to sit upon the other donkey that Jesus was not sitting upon. They wanted to show them that Jesus is the owner of all these things, not us, him. Sometimes you must show people you are the owner of all these things. It is for your father. So they tell you you are crossing the road as though the road is for you. Who is it for? It is for my father. Are you with me? Can I get some other just also help him? Hold the cloth. So this is what was happening. Jesus was on the donkey. And they were entering into Jerusalem. And because these ones were guarded, even in Gethsemane when Jesus was to be betrayed by Judas, Peter, disciple, but Jesus was showing them something. Please listen carefully. The two donkeys did not really belong to Jesus at the time. He went for it and he was using it for a setting. So he can make a difference in the life of the people for them to receive him well. So he can be able to make a miracle happen. Are you here? So he took two donkeys and sat on one. When the people saw the entourage and they were guarding him, uh, disciples, only a guard. Please come. They saw the people were coming from the town. Now, who is this man? We don't even know him. But the way people are receiving him, let us also receive him that way. And they began to put the cloth on the floor. They began to put the cloth. Jesus not asked for this one. He didn't ask for this one. But because he, the disciples set the thing and he himself set the thing. Other people came to be part of the settings. If you are able to set the thing, other people may not know you, but they will be part. Uh, 
are going for that wedding. But if you are able to set the thing, other people will come closer and be part. Oh. Are you hearing that talk? Jesus entered into Jerusalem with the donkeys only seated on one. But who are the enemy? And settings. Sometimes we'll go baby. Fayamba will come. We phone now screen up right now. Who that won't tell? Fix the screen. If I come. When you only cast this year, we'll be khaki, the phone. Setting. Tell somebody setting. That same thing you are doing can become a miracle unto you. You will set it until it becomes a reality. I don't say fake it until it becomes a reality. I say set it. Are you here with me? Thank you, disciples. Thank you. Hallelujah. The donkeys, even that day, were celebrated not only Jesus Christ. Jesus' leg never touched the cloth that was upon the floor. Jesus' leg never touched the branch that was upon the floor. It was the donkeys. Are you here with me? If we are only able to allow Jesus to lead our lives, cloths are understatements. Bound branches are understatements. Are you hearing me, somebody? Yes. How many people do you have around you? Are they supporting you to make a difference? Or they're supporting you to destroy your life? The disciples supported Jesus to set the thing till he's been received by his own people. For he came to his own, his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God, casting out devils and demons, walking upon scorpions and serpents. How many people are around you? What difference have you made with the friends you have? Your, your, your siblings, what difference have they been able to contribute in your life? What difference have you also been able to contribute in their lives? Can we please be outstanding? Today, we want to set the things in prayer. 